0: Our first sacred text this morning comes from Genesis, chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. And this tells us of God's covenant with Noah. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you, and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you the birds the domestic animals and every animal of the earth with you as many came out of the ark I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. And the second sacred text this morning is Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. And this is telling of the baptism and temptation of Jesus. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized, baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, and with you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Thus ends the reading of the sacred text.
1: This is the first Sunday of Lent. I don't think I mentioned that before, but um, it's, it's the beginning of a, a season of reflection, focus, discipline, reconsideration, evaluation. There's a million words you can use. Um, a, a lot of people think it's just a time to make a list of all your sins and say you'll never do them again. But it's... Yeah, right. And um, some people give up some things. And uh, uh, it, I think that can be good. It all depends why you're doing it. I, I think if you're doing it to become more aware of uh, how dependent we get on certain habits in our lives and, and how we can break out of that and break into new ways. Um, I think it's better than giving up something as a way to Punish ourselves in some way, you know. I don't think that's that usually works very well. Um, But I I titled this sermon. I don't even know if it's going to reach the level of sermon. I'm more going to think out loud a little bit with you and and see where this goes. Um, But I titled this after the devastation. So I was headed one direction earlier in the week, and then uh, my wife Andy, who most of you know, is also a pastor. She was getting really sad this week. And she was getting sad, you can imagine, because of the school shooting in Parkland. And, you know, at the time I was like so focused on getting ready for Saturday that I was keeping that at arm's length. And I'd written myself some notes about how to put the bulletin together and what I wanted to focus on. And then I sat down again to kind of finish it all and her sadness kind of hit me. And um, I began to see things differently. I wasn't even going to do the Genesis reading about the covenant with Noah and his sons. Um, I, I was just going to do the, the Gospel reading. Uh, but then I saw a parallel. Because this covenant with Noah is after the flood. I mean, what could be more devastating than the flood? Okay, Now... You know, it, it depends on how you read the Bible. I, I don't. I read the Bible as a book written by people spiritually inspired by God about our journey to understand who we are, what this whole creation about is about, what our lives can be about, and who God is. Um, and in that process, uh, people are clearly came up with an interpretation and understanding that uh, to fix the problem God basically flooded everything, got rid of all the evil and just kept some remnants you know, two by two the animals go on and all of that sort of thing Um, I I don't really view it that way I view it as um, something that was a devastating thing that happened and when something devastating happens um You question a lot, don't you? You ask a lot of big questions. You wonder what caused this, who caused this. And you even, no matter what your theology is, it's just a natural thing to say, God, did you do this? Are we doing something wrong? Whatever. I mean, it triggers all of that stuff inside of us. And so, here we have God... Um, and Noah and his sons receiving this covenant from God and understanding that there's a way forward into the future after the devastation Um, and a promise from God of how God is going to interact with us as human beings well we have the devastation uh, in Parkland 17 lives all too young even the even the staff and faculty who died, all too young. And it keeps happening over and over again. What did I hear? There's been 18 school shootings since January 1 of this year, just this year. Now, some of them, nobody died in, and some of them, one died in, and others, some were injured. Different sorts of things happen. You know, we it gets so overwhelming, we only really spend time our brain can only handle the big ones, right? It's kind of like, you know, I don't, can hardly handle all the, the little ones that, have, that are happening. Um, and what, what are we to do with this? How are we supposed to handle in our society after these kind of big devastations, especially when they're recurring over and over and over again? Is this just a political issue to solve in our society? Or is this a gut-wrenching human issue that must involve all of us and must involve our understanding of our call from God living in the covenant of how it is we're called to respond? Deep sadness. And maybe you felt a lot of anger. And you probably have already noticed the people already fighting over what we should do now. And some of it seems like a rerun. Actually, interesting in this one, the part that doesn't seem like a rerun is how some of the students in that school who were there are stepping out and speaking out. I don't remember that in some of the other ones, especially in this shorter time after. So something's changed there, right? Something is happening in our midst. Something's stirring up after devastation, devastation, devastation. Now, when we watch some of the reactions happening out there and how people align themselves with the opinions they already had before, even when something so devastating happens, you know, everyone has their opinions about guns. What guns cause, what guns don't cause, right? You know why do these things happen? And it seems like uh, at least the loud people don't aren't affected in their opinion by what actually happens. They're just finding a way to once again speak their mind on this. Let me back up a little bit because as we deal with this, as we figure out what we're going to do as a society and what our responsibility is as followers of Jesus. We also have to tie in the Gospel reading here. Now, Mark's Gospel is um, really short. So some of the other Gospels, uh, when Jesus is sent out into the wilderness um, for those 40 days... We get a lot of detail. We get the list of everything that tempted him, and all of those sorts of things. Here, we don't. We we, we don't get any of that, do we? We. It, it's real short. In fact, from verse nine through verse fifteen, we have Jesus baptized, um, being told that um, you know that he's my son from God's voice in heaven. Beloved, you're well pleased. Then, by verse twelve. He's driven by the Spirit out into the wilderness. For 40 days we find that out. We find out he's tempted and that there are wild beasts and angels who are waiting on him. And then, verse 14, now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee. (laughs) This is like really fast, right? We just get some headlines. But that also frees us up not to have to deal with too much of the detail of the story but to deal with something really important, we're still in the first chapter of Mark's Gospel. So Jesus has to be baptized before he can begin his public ministry and do his calling. He has to, he has to go through that ritual. But he also has to go and prepare himself. Any of you ever spent 40 days in the wilderness or the desert or anything like that with very little with you? Yeah, I've asked this previously, I know. And Jimmy, you're always the only one who raises your hand. I was hoping maybe somebody else had tried it since the last time I mentioned it. <laughs> but, but, um, but, you know, in this fast-moving world, we don't have to go out into the wilderness of the desert, but we have to find places to catch our breath, to slow things down, to quiet the mind, to stop doing all the tasks. And in that moment, the same thing happens as when you go out there into the wilderness or the desert. What happens is you have to deal with all the stuff inside of you. That's why we don't like slowing down so much. That's why we don't like sitting too long in silence and quiet and and getting very still. Because what happens is everything in us our fears, all the kinds of things that tempt us, all the things that distract us. They rush to meet us. After the devastation, don't you think this world needs some people who've gone through the preparation of going into that quiet where we face our own demons, where we face our own fragility and where we come out of it, understanding who we are in this bigger world, and what it is we might have to offer, even Jesus needed to do it. He could not have gone out in his public ministry. And if actually if you read the rest of Mark's gospel, he constantly goes back to prayer after doing something out there public. He goes back to be quiet, to be alone, to sit, to pray, all of the time. So the Lenten season's a uh, season to deal with um, what disciplines do we have in our own life where the Spirit is calling us out into that wilderness, calling us into the stillness, calling us into the quiet. What are the practices you have? Because if we don't have those practices, then we get pushed and blown by the wind. And we go and we get moved by the craziness of social media and all the busyness and everything else that's going on around us. And we get overwhelmed by the devastation, and then we kind of set it aside from a school shooting like this, and a few weeks from now we're just it's kind of still non us, but we haven't done anything with it. So lents a time where we really consciously say, "What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it?" Now I know I say this a lot because it's, it's always the risk point um, in church um, because the answers, you know, the answers to the devastation are being debated in the political arena. But the truth is they're really de- being debated in the human arena. But there is a risk when we talk about these things of either becoming too political, which means we take some partisan already locked in position, Or there's a temptation of saying, you know, it's their job to handle this. We live over here as the church. We don't live out there. But we're dealing with deep human questions about who we are as a people and where it is we are going. So one of the reflections during this Lenten season after the devastation of Parkland and the continuing knowing that probably before the Lenten season's over, there'll be another school shooting. Anybody think there won't be? You know? Um, So the question for the Lenten season is, what do I do with this as a person who follows Jesus, who's trying to be a full human being? What do I do with this? How do I interact with other people having conversations about it? How do I bring it up into conversations? And how do I do it in a way where I just don't say all... one of the locked-in positions, you know, get rid of all guns, or guns never kill anybody, or whatever, any of those throwaway lines. How do we do that? But also, I think we need to take very seriously. I mean, if, if Jesus walked right in here right now, what, and we've got to question it. What do you think, from everything that we know about Jesus, what do you think that he might say that we should be doing after this devastation? What does he think the answer is to more safety in our schools, to help our children grow up in a healthy environment, and a healthy culture, a healthy society, so that they can pursue all the dreams of what it means to be born in the image and likeness of God. What would he do? Would he want our schools more armed? Maybe instead of a wall at the border, he'd want walls around our schools. Would he want that? What do you think might be his suggestion? What might be his challenge for us? I think it's a hard one and this is part of our Lenten challenge because we have gotten so hardened by devastation that while we hope for the answers that we talk about in church, we sing about we tend when we're honest with ourselves to not believe they're practical who here actually believes that we could go out there and say um, for example Some of the teachings we have in church is that we're unconditionally loved by God. And that the fundamental problem that causes these kind of devastations is people who are broken and sometimes been broken by other broken people. And that we need to invest ourselves in helping every person understand that they're unconditionally loved by God. Are you willing to go before some legislative body and say this is the answer to school shootings? where you might even laugh yourself out of the room and say, well, that's the dream, but nothing practical there. Part of the lead season is getting ourselves called back to understanding that what comes to us in our spiritual journey is what is actually the most practical. Have you noticed out there in the world that all the practical solutions are not slowing down the increase of the devastations whether it's in school shootings or violent problems all over our world or prejudices and lack of education I mean you could go on and on and on and on and on on Martin Luther King weekend I didn't even realize this at the time but I preached about how Martin Luther King talked in the last year of his life about the three evils of our society and it was structural racism poverty and uh, extreme militarism it is 50 years now since he called for the poor people's campaign that grew out of transformative time in his life when he realized that overcoming through the civil rights movement prejudice against African Americans was not going to be enough that all the injustices are linked together systematically and so he named these three evils and he called for a poor people's campaign where we would deal with the variety of issues that cause people to be poor and disadvantaged in our society And now 50 years later they're renewing a Poor People's Campaign and they're adding a fourth issue to it ecological devastation. Um, And you're going to hear more about that coming up but Reverend William Barber African American um, Baptist pastor uh, has been one of the leaders in getting this movement started and every state has got organization happening around this sort of thing. But this is an attempt. This is an attempt because it comes out of um, people of faith saying, we have to do something. We can't just sit around. We have to respond and we have to understand that these issues politically are all being dealt with separately. But you know what? The same people are being pushed down over and over again into more poverty, to more disadvantage, to end under the oppression of more violence, and it has to stop. So this world survived this devastating flood, and a covenant with Noah and his sons—really, a covenant with all humanity—was renewed. What can we do as people of faith? What can we do as a church to be part of the renewal of that covenant again? To change how we're dealing with the devastations that are happening all around us and the people who are sad and angry but most directly affected by it. What would Jesus do what would he say right now if he had just walked out of his 40 days in the wilderness from that reflected place? What would he call us to do? How would he call us to prepare? I don't have the answer. But if we don't start taking that question seriously, And we'll know we take it seriously because when we take it seriously, the patterns of our lives will change. We won't do the same things over and over again. We will do something different. We will chart a different path. So this Lenten season, take some time. Make some decisions. What will you do to chart a different course? more disciplined approach to more closely following the wisdom of Jesus and how it is we can move through devastation to renewal of the covenant and a promise for all. Amen.